0: Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello everybody and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter and I'm excited to be with you on day 23 where we pray the petition that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me, Jesus I trust in you. Well these petitions don't get any easier and today we dive into the mystery of how Jesus answers us. And really coming to trust that he always hears us. He never turns a deaf ear to us. He never abandons us. um, And always has our goodness in mind. And answers our prayers. That he answers our prayers. This can be really hard. um, Especially with our experiences of pleading with the Lord. Going to him and begging for a healing or an answer. A resolution or some sort of... Uh, completion to the the difficulty that we're going through and a lot of times we can experience the silence of God in that vast emptiness of any sort of thing resembling any sort of him any sort of semblance of him hearing us let alone responding to us um yeah I'm I'm thinking of not too long ago there's this horrible situation of this um young girl who was suffering with cancer and my goodness, the prayer warriors united and there were emails and text chains and everyone going out and praying and praying and trying to get more and more people involved. And, um, all the while there was this kind of sense that I really hope God doesn't let us down kind of a thing from some of the people. Do you know what I mean? It's like different people were sacrificing, praying the rosary, going to mass when they hadn't been going in a long time. And, you know, I just hope that she doesn't not get healed. And that I hope God doesn't let us down. And, and then all these people will just have their expectations up, their hopes up, and then be confirmed in their lack of faith. And so I don't know if you've ever been a part of something like that, of really being involved with pouring your heart out before the Lord. I can think of um, several times in my own life, in, in times of prayer, adoration, I remember one time just really experiencing this being united to the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane and just really pleading with Him and in Him to the Father for an answer to these prayers. And here I was just really identifying with what it means to plead before the the Heavenly Father and, and just ask and to ask boldly. And that whole retreat, it was a silent retreat, I had put on my heart. The line from John's gospel where Jesus says, Anything you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. I don't want to waste <laughs> waste that promise, you know. It's like anything you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. And like, hmm, okay. So I came boldly out of the gate and coming before him and like, Lord, I want this. And and I honestly can't even remember what it was that I was praying for precisely. Um, but I do remember kind of going into it as a test to kind of see like, is this real? And, and of course, all of these need to be reoriented in terms of how we see God, how we approach him, what we're asking for. And do we really allow God to have the freedom to be who he is and not turn him into someone that he's not? Now I'll give this. Um, image or anecdote and, and I don't mean it to be uh, critical or patronizing to those who have really come to ask the Lord for something maybe as I did Lord if if you really mean it that you hear us and you will answer us then I'm coming before you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open for you and like here I am I'm seeking I'm knocking I'm searching um, and to have to have the Lord not seem to to come through can be really hard. But the question is, do we see God on his own terms? Or are we looking at him more as the vending machine God? If you've heard this image before, right? The vending machine God that says, oh, I, I come to God and I put in my prayers, I put in my sacrifices, um, and then outcome, like I push the button, like boop, 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 here, here's what I want, and then out comes the response. And if that's how we're looking at God, like, (laughs) I say these prayers, I do these pious practices, and then, boom, like, I get out this vending machine response. That's not God. And he's not a Santa Claus either, where as long as we're a good person, then God will come through and give us exactly what we ask for at Christmas. Like, sorry, that's also not God. Who is he? Who is he? That's a great question to really come to, to see who he is. There's this great passage in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 and following, where Jesus' 12 disciples are with him for a good while at this point. And in this scene, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they come forward and ask Jesus, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask you. Like, that's a question, huh? You know, can you imagine if you are a, a teacher, professor, How about just a parent and you have someone, someone ask you, we want you to do for us, whatever we ask of you. Notice they're still calling him teacher, right? Teacher, rabbi, which is not untrue, but is that the fullness of who Jesus is? Right? Like he's so much more than that. And here's what's incredible about Jesus's response. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? What an amazing Amazing response, right, um, to this question that where does it come from? My goodness, it's almost like James and John, they've been with them so long. They're kind of counting their, their sacrifices and everything that they've given up. And, and now it's like, we've been with you so long. When's the payday? You know, <laughs> like when is this going to actually like turn in our, our favor? And so that Jesus comes back and says, what do you want? What do you wish me to do for you? It's a great question for us to really answer and take serious. That he wants to know. He's willing to open himself up to even humiliation and embarrassment, also that he can prove his love for us. So a really incredible thing that we that we wouldn't pass over in terms of what do we really want from the Lord? And not just a a, a quick fix or an immediate resolution, but a, a deep. deep search deep dive into our own hearts um i remember a couple summers ago i was struggling with this particular situation and it was just really tearing me up and causing me a lot of grief and i do remember it was one thursday evening i was praying about it before the lord in adoration and i finally had this thought about handing the whole thing over to him good idea huh (laughs) And I mean, it's not like I hadn't prayed about it. I'd been praying about it for a long time. I've been asking God to help me, but I had not yet been willing to trust him with the whole thing. And then in prayer, I was praying through this beautiful book in Sinu Yesu, where Jesus speaks um, in, this, in these words, these locutions, right to the heart of this Benedictine monk. And Jesus in this book, he said it to this monk, and it was this, as if he was saying it right to my own heart here's what he said to me, there is nothing that I will not do for those who approach me in the sacrament of my love. Look at me. Here I am vulnerable, exposed, hidden, and yet entirely delivered over to you. The Eucharist is the invention of my love and nothing surpasses it in all my works. End quote. At that point, I just had the freedom to say, all right, Lord, it's all yours. I hand it over to you. And amazing, wouldn't you know, Monday, I got my answer. And it was not the answer that I was looking for. But it was so clearly him that even in the midst of the disappointment on my end, I rejoiced to be reminded of the high priest, our Lord Jesus, who sympathizes with our weaknesses, the one whom we can always confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help that's hebrews chapter four fifteen and 16 right that we can always go to him with confidence and and receive it and he he hears us in the midst of our weaknesses so a lot of times whenever we talk about this sometimes it ta- it sounds manipulative or even gaslighting. It's like, well, you just didn't pray for the right thing. If you would have prayed in this way, then he could have answered your your prayer. It's like, it's not meant to be manipulative, but it is meant to really respect who God is as a good father who sees his children. And you who are parents or grandparents out there, right? I'm, I'm sure you can sympathize with the way of parenting that out of love, you always hear your children, but you better not answer every one of their (laughs) requests, right? Not just give them everything they they want, um, but to lead them, to lead them into a, a deeper understanding of what they're really longing for. And that takes real love. That takes real patience, patience, right? Like that long suffering that our God is willing to hear us and continue to stay with us so that he can draw out a deeper and deeper understanding of what we really need to ask for. As the Lord was just inviting me, would you just give it to me? Would you just hand it over? And as soon as I did that, I was free just to like see so clearly, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, Maybe you've heard this before, but this is a great quote from St. Augustine, who speaks right to this mystery. St. Augustine says that on the one hand, God already knows what's on our heart, quote, but he still wants us to exercise our desire through our prayers so that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. His gift is very great indeed, but our capacity is too small and limited to receive it. Hopefully you've heard that before, but that's a lot to, to take to heart. His gift is very great indeed, but our capacity is too small and limited to receive it. So, James and John, they ask for glory, right? We want, we want this glory. Here's what they say in Mark chapter 10, verses uh, verse 38, 37 and 38. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus is able to respond. You don't understand what you're asking for. And he invites them to to appreciate that they will share in his glory. But it's going to come through suffering. It's going to come through their own drinking of the chalice with which he will drink. That's a, a foreshadowing, a glimpse of his own passion and death. Seats in my right and my left, those will be occupied by two thieves on simple poor crosses on Calvary. But this is the glory, right? This is the glory. Um, Not just to rule over other nations, but to really serve with the King of Kings, with Jesus Christ on the cross. It's hard, huh? It's it's a mystery to really appreciate how the Lord works and answer to our prayers. I love that Sister Faustina, in the opening of her book, just gives a really helpful contextualization with that great story of the sisters going to Uh, what was it? Some space exhibit and connecting it that just like the vast galaxies, there's so much we don't see and don't know about ourselves and about God. Amen to that, huh? That we might see, Oh, I know what I need. I know what the best thing is. And Lord, you got to do this. You got to come through. And I just, I want what's best. I want your will, but by your will, I mean like, would you just do this now? Yesterday would be great. And so to really appreciate There's so much that we cannot see and cannot appreciate about ourselves, let alone God. But God, in his infinite wisdom and perfection, sees it all and has access to it all and is able to work something even greater than what we could see in our our own limitation. But sometimes we wonder, if our prayers are being received or if they're getting lost in the black holes of space, says Sister Faustina, that we might mention something to God and soon after it's answered in the way we asked. Uh, But other times, it seems like there's no response at all. And it can make us question if our previous experiences were just coincidences or simply figments of our imagination. To make acts of faith that God is always hearing us not always answering us the way that we want, but always hearing us and working. Working what? To as St. Augustine says, expanding our capacity, right? Our hearts, our capacity, they're too small and limited to receive what he has to give us. So Sister Faustina gives some really challenging uh, proposals. Why does it seem that God is silent? First, she says, We have to ask ourselves if we are truly open to listening, (laughs) right? Have you ever done this before? Uh, Asked a question to someone and then whenever they give you the answer, um, not really look at it, acknowledge it, or open up that text or email, or just kind of (laughs) get really busy with something else. Are we open to receiving the answer? (coughs) Excuse me. Are Are we open to listening? And then this challenge. If we're too strongly attached to our plans or struggling with serious sin, our hearing can be blocked. Even so, an honest desire to authentically hear his word can illuminate the next step on the path. What a great first step, right? That sin blinds us and deafens us to being able to see God, hear God, and and trust in him. So if we're not in a state of grace, practicing our faith, praying every day, then it's going to be really hard uh, to be able to, to hear him and listen to him. doesn't mean that God can't speak to us, um, even to speak to those who are far off in their faith, in the practice of their faith. God can break through the hardest of hearts. But so often he respects us. And if we've really distanced ourselves from him, then it will be harder for us to hear him. And the, the second thing is this silence. Can be an invitation of god drawing someone deeper deeper into the depths of their longing and desires and this comes through silence which wow how many of us feel really uncomfortable in silence can you imagine just asking someone standing right before you a question and having no response no audible response that would make us really uncomfortable like hello hello did you hear me did you hear me and so we don't want to, like, project those experiences onto God. But to have the, the, the faith or the understanding that says, okay, he's not answering me right now, but he's also here with me, right? And in the silence that he actually allows for the dust to settle. Have you ever come to someone, like, right away, maybe in the moment of, Frustration being overwhelmed or just being heartbroken or really excited and like we got to do this or this has to be done or this is so wrong or what the heck and and there can just be a lot that's um, flying around emotionally uh, and everything else and we try and get this answer like I think as as priests we get this a lot It's like father I need to talk to you like right now and it's like hold on <laughs> like can we, can we wait for things to like settle and then we'll kind of like see where things are at and then be able to to approach like, what are the right solutions? What things need to be done? And I just think God works with us that way too. That to respond to our temptation, perhaps to be impulsive and get an answer immediately, that silence, right, can draw out an ability for things to settle and for us to come to reorient ourselves on what's most important. Where is God? What are you doing? And by that silence, he invites us into this intimacy with him. Which again, as we've been talking about with trust, it's his main prerogative. What happens whenever he still doesn't answer our prayers the way we want to? I'm just thinking about uh, someone that I that I know. This has happened several times, right? Where there can just be a a parent or a friend who it's just suffering a lot and praying for healing praying for a praying for a healing and there can be this incredible outpouring of prayer support of love even a, a real conversion of heart on the part of that parent and to have this opportunity to go to confession receive all the sacraments and even have these different moments of reconciliation with their with their family with their children like i'm sorry for the ways that I haven't been a good dad, that I didn't didn't love you the way that I really wanted to, and I forgive you, Dad. You know, like these beautiful moments of mercy, and yet still, whenever they are not healed, there's still this anger. Like, Lord, where were you? Why didn't you answer? Why didn't you give him like restore him to health and give him more years? And this question, right, and even we know this, sometimes we, we even know this and can still be frustrated. It's like, I see what you were doing, God. I see that actually what you were doing was bringing about this beautiful death and this beautiful outpouring of your mercy and healing amongst relationships. And And you gave him one of the most beautiful departures of family, love, and the sacraments, right? This viaticum, this food for the journey, this last departure, and so this question is, right, what are we holding on to? And as the, our retreat is inviting us to, do we really trust him? Do we really trust him? And have we abandoned our, our own concepts of how things need to go? And really trusting that the Lord always hears us and in his goodness always responds to me. What a great image then that Sister Faustina invites us to in the Gospel of John, where Martha and Mary send word to Jesus that their brother and Jesus' friend, Lazarus, is sick and dying. And Jesus is only, I believe, two days' journey away at this time, for Bethany is not too far from where Jesus was. And Jesus was delayed. He did not come right away. And it was such a long delay that Lazarus not only died, but by the time that Jesus allowed for this delay and the travel, it had then been a full four days after Lazarus had died. And Martha runs out to greet him and says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And what a, what a statement, what a predicament, what a position, what a thing to say, right? How many of us can relate to that? Like, Lord, if you would have actually been here, if you would have showed up when I called you, when I prayed to you, things would have been different. Things would have been fixed, and we wouldn't be in this situation where suffering as one and death has actually taken place. What the heck? And I don't want to put too much on on Martha, because I don't think she's maybe going that far, but, but her statement is point of fact very relatable lord if you would have been here my brother would not have died and it's in this moment that jesus invites martha to this real faith and says your brother will rise again and martha says to him i know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day and jesus says i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he die yet shall he live. And here she says to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. I don't know that there are too many other statements of faith, professions of faith, more beautiful than Martha in, in this scene. than in the midst of the grief, in the midst of the not fully understanding what he's doing, She still is able to, I believe, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who can do all things. Sister Fosina says in in the book, analyzing this passage, that Jesus was teaching them to trust his intentions. Why he did not come and cure Lazarus right away seemed bizarre and hard to understand. But as they would see, Jesus allowed the Father to lead him to a greater design. Ah, Right, why is this passage such an incredible archetype for believing that Jesus hears our prayers and answers them? Because, right, we can all relate to Martha saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here Jesus is willing and able to work something even greater by allowing him to die and allowing even them to experience the grief and the suffering and by allowing Lazarus to rise from the dead, bringing him back to life, he's able to give this incredible window into what he himself desires to do for all of us. By his own death and resurrection, we too can die with him and rise with him to new life. Right? Lazarus becomes this incredible witness of the resurrection unlike anybody else because Jesus allowed him to die. Jesus heard Martha's prayers he heard Mary's cries, and in his goodness he responded, not in the way they wanted, but in a much greater way. These can still be really hard, really hard, and it, and this is where this retreat just comes right to the point of trust. Do I trust him? Do I really believe in him? In his goodness that he's here? that he's with me, and that he's working something greater than I could ever pull through or or see on my own. These invitations at the end of this section are, are really powerful, as I think she does a great job throughout this book pulling some things together. Just to emphasize the first invitation is to really look at our own silence with our relationship with God. She says that silence enables a purity of simply being with him. I've heard it said that a relationship with God changes everything and nothing all at the same time. A relationship with God, deep faith, changes everything and nothing all at the same time. On the one hand, it changes everything because now all of a sudden, God, through baptism, through our prayer life, through union with him, he's now invited into all these different aspects of my life that there's nothing ordinary anymore by the incarnation, he's come to sanctify and transform even the most monotonous of tasks. And so our whole thought life, our um, everything we say, everything we do, is now able to be this conduit of God's presence in the world. So, yeah, on the one hand on the one hand, everything has changed. On the other hand, nothing has changed. Because it's still us. It's still our, our own thick little with our own fickle hearts and minds and insecurities, fears, and limitations, and we can still struggle and we can still suffer and we can still fall into the same habitual sins over and over and over again and be like, God, what the heck? I thought you were going to free me and fix all this. And so that tension can be, can be really hard. But silence enables a purity of simply being with Him, to appreciate more than anything else I need to be with him and give him room to be with me. So these questions are really important. Am I willing to give him the benefit of the doubt when his response seems lacking to me? Do I believe that God's intentions are good? Or perhaps am I praying for things that God may not want for me? I've heard from several people. um, There's uh, a really powerful moment in the third season of The Chosen where um, Jesus has a moment to be able to talk with someone who's suffering and for him to be able to ask the Lord you've healed, cured so many others why not me? What a great question, right? Like if we had a chance to talk to the Lord, like why not me? It's not that I don't believe it's not that I haven't been trying to be good or to go to church and to say these rosaries and to why not me? And and it sounds like his response is beautifully affirming. right? It's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't see you. It's not that I don't even suffer with you and what you're going through. But I'm calling you to witness to me in a different way. Unlike everyone else who's able to witness to me because of the healing, you're able to witness to me despite the suffering, right? That is not just about the getting your own answer, your own healing, or having the context, the situation fixed. You're able to witness this deeper love for me, actually because of your embracing of the suffering and not being healed. And that's a really, really interesting insight into the ways that the Lord would allow you, me, through our own physical, mental sufferings or different situations in our lives that by God allowing them to persist, they can actually be a, an even greater witness to his power and to his mercy working than, than if they were ever ever just like fixed, just like that. But how many people, it's like, but I just need a miracle. If I could just have one miracle, then I would believe and then I would Isn't it true that sometimes the more beautiful witness are those who have not seen, have not been healed, and yet still believe? Let's pray together our litany of trust. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and your presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me sustaining me loving me jesus i trust in you that your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me jesus i trust in you that not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you jesus i trust in you that you are with me in my suffering jesus i trust in you that my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next jesus i trust in you that you will not leave me orphan that you are present in your church, Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are always, that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me, Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others, Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked, Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord, and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Dry Bones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, Go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.